Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Good morning. Happy Monday. How are we doing? It's only Monday. It's only Monday. Why? Have you done a lot this week? I have. This day? It, <laughs> it's like the old... Uh, was it the I old? should say it's only 9-12 on Monday morning. Oh, yeah, it's man. like the old army commercials. You do more, <laughs> we do more uh, by 9 a.m. than most people do in a day. And man, that's what Jorge did this morning. Moving oh, things around. This weekend. It was a we good did weekend. a lot. Yeah, we a had weekend. a very good weekend. We came, we went, uh, we'll talk about it in the second segment, but we went to the Marlins game and... Um, had a great time with our parishioners, and uh, it was just wonderful, wonderful, you know, ambiance that you know we had. You know, we didn't pay attention to the game. We were talking to parishioners. We were, you know, mixing it up with them, and we look up. Hey, it's the ninth inning, and the game went by two hours and fourteen minutes. Yep. Was the game time? So it was great, just great being around everybody, and um, great attendance at all the masses this weekend. You know, Father Father Andrew. I mean, sorry, Father. I had the ten thirty. I had the ninth in children's mass with with our second graders, which uh, we preach. I preached to, and I asked them the question. And Jesus asked the disciples in the gospel, and we'll get into that in a second. But no, all around a great weekend, and and uh, Jorge has a pool. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost done. I mean, it's done, it's but it's swimmable. It's, or it's, it's swimmable. Finally, <laughs> anything swimmable. The ponds that accumulated during yeah. the rainstorms. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's swimmable. There are no iguanas in it like the Cargill was going which is the nearest body of water to my house. So, <laughs> just, so no, all around great weekend and, and glad to have you here with us on this pat, podcast as we ponder probably the most important question that Jesus asks in the gospel when he turns to the disciples and say, who do you say that I am? Now, some context, and I, and I mentioned this in my homily two weeks ago, which we didn't do a podcast on, when Jesus walked on the water. And when he came into the boat, you know, the disciples, all of them were saying, truly, you are the son of, son of God. Okay, great. That was two chapters ago, two weeks ago in the Gospels. Now, fast forward, Jesus and the disciples are, are you know, around the, res, uh, the region of Caesarea Philippi. And, and to be fair, the disciples, Jesus asked the question, and listen to the details of the question. Who do people say that I am, say that the Son of Man is? Okay, so he's not asking the second question he has. He has, who do people say that the Son of Man is? He's inquiring, what are the people saying? What What is, you know, what's the talk? What's the tea, so to speak? So still can't get a, you know, I don't like that, that, that <laughs> millennial term, tea. What's the gossip, so, so to speak? It's uh, the cheese, what's the cheese? What, yeah, the che- we had cheese when <laughs> I had growing up. Well, I had, but cheese is, is cheese made from gossip in Spanish. So... Jesus asked that question, and the disciples say, well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And now, having heard that answer, it's not that the disciples couldn't answer, but, but the, it's, it's the way that Peter phrases and the way that Jesus responds to Peter that says, wait, did the disciples forget what happened two weeks ago? It's the point that I made. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said in reply, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replies, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so it is, I'll get to the you know, commissioning of Peter in a second. So Peter has this tremendous confession, this tremendous profession of, in who Jesus is. And every time I preach on this gospel which, come, gospel, which comes up so many times during the course of the year, obviously once every three years on a Sunday, this question is so important to us in our spiritual life because if Jesus stood in front of you right now and said, who do you say that I am? All of us may respond with different questions. I mean, different answers to that question. Like, for example, I said yesterday, I preached to the children. I said, oh, this will be fine. I want to hear what the children have to say. And, and the children answered, son of God. You know, you know, Jesus is, you know, our king, you know, they they came up with so many different, uh, you know, beautiful answers. Some, you know, said Jesus is our father. I go, no, that's someone different. 
And some Jesus is spirit. I go, no, again, someone different. Let's talk about I did, had to do a little 10-second catechesis on the Trinity to eight-year-olds, but seven and eight-year-olds, but you know, it went off okay. But hearing their responses, and I and I said, you know, if I go around the room to all the adults, I'm sure everyone will give you a different response. Depending on where you are in the spiritual life. Yes, we could give you know Peter's answers. You are the you know you are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God, but you could respond. He's my you're my all. You're I once preached on this gospel and I and I took a crutch. I don't know why we had a set of crutches somewhere in in the church where I was at. And I go, Jesus is my crutch. That I lean on him. That I need him. I can't walk without him. You know, not to to go deeper into not just trivializing and just you know simplifying him to a crutch, but. There's so many different answers to that question. Obviously, Peter gives us the theological answer, gives us the deepest answer, and and Jesus commends him for that and, and says, "Blessed are you, uh, you know, you know, Simon, son of Jonah." But it is a question that each and every one of us, when we sit down in prayer, need to ask ourselves because depending on where we are in the spiritual life, depending where we are in our journey, depending where we are that day in our spiritual life, because we could be having a terrible day. We could be out of the state of grace. We could be, you know, just a tremendous, you know, amount of turmoil in our lives. And I'm like, who, you know, who is Jesus to me in that moment? Yeah. And that, that answer is very telling too. And that's something that we need to, that we need to sit with in prayer. As you said, every circumstance is going to call for a different answer. And, you know, are we giving the, are we giving the head answer? You know, yes, this is what this is what I studied, and this is what the, by the what the scriptures say, and this is what the catechism says, and I've learned it X Y Z, and you know, just giving giving the answer from rote memory, or are we giving that answer out of that encounter? Right. Yeah, and that's why I love Peter, you know, because Peter, and we've said it a million times, it's one of my favorite characteristics of Peter. He gets it so right, and then he gets it so wrong, and then he gets it so right again, and it's it's really a reflection of us. You know, so as we sit with that question in in prayer, as we, you know, sit with this gospel this week and meditate on it, you know, take it, take it to to deep prayer. You know, ask ourselves that question and answer it honestly, and then take that answer and sit with that answer in prayer. You mm-hmm. know, and, and who is who is Jesus in this moment of my life? You know, and, and he might be a stranger, and that's okay. But recognizing that that's our answer is going to open us up to the movement of the Spirit, where we can say, okay. This is my relationship right now, and this is where I need to go. This is where I need to be at. And and my current answer today in this moment is not good enough. Right, and and, and first step in in solving a problem is admitting you have a problem. And if Jesus is a stranger in your life, say, okay, Jesus is a stranger. I need to rediscover him. I need to go in search of him. And you were talking about Peter getting everything, you know, getting everything wrong and then getting everything epically bad. That's next week's gospel. (laughs) We'll get into that next next uh next week but this is you know this is something so important because this is the gospel that nine years ago pope benedict the 16th ended world youth Day, and it happened to end on this sunday where this gospel is proclaimed and pope benedict told the young people dear young people today christ is asking the same question was he which he asked the disciple the apostles who do you say that i am Respond to him with generosity and courage, as befits young hearts like your own. Say to him, and and, and I, I was reading this, and it sounds so much like Francis, you know, that Francis would sometimes in his homily say, you know, say to the Lord this, you know, pray in this way. So Benedict says, you know, when you respond, say to him, Jesus, I know that you are the Son of God, who have given your life for me. I want to follow you faithfully and be led to your word. You know me and you love me. I place my trust in you and I put my whole life into your hands. I want to be the power that strengthens I want you to be the power that strengthens me and the joy that never leaves me. Oh. That last line. I want you to be the power that strengthens me and the joy that never leaves me. See, that's a heart answer. That's not a head answer. No, that's, that's a heart that, answer. And that's why <laughs> you know you could say, and this this was not Typical of Benedict. Yep. I mean, you could tell that he was—he knew his audience. Yep. He was speaking to—that was the 2011. So that was Madrid. 
Um, and he's speaking to a million young people there in Madrid, which they still talk. I was in Spain this summer, and they still talk about uh, that whole time in Jota, that World Youth Day. Uh, and and I every time I went into a church, I would always encounter young people. And I was in San Sebastián the last Sunday of June, and you know the cathedral, big cathedral, it was at maybe a hundred people at, at a, it was a Saturday vigil mass. But you see, and you know mainly older people, but you see 20 young people. They don't stick out like a sore thumb. They stick out like a shining light, a shining beacon of hope for the church in, in, in Spain and Basque country. Even better, up in, up in the northeastern, uh, northwestern part of, wait, north, northeastern part of, of Spain. I'm trying to say <laughs> east, west. Anyways, so uh, the Pope, Pope Benedict made a tremendous impact there, but that last line, I, I want you, Jesus, to be the power that strengthens me and the joy which never leaves me. And that unites people. And, that, and like you said, it, it, that's something you say to Jesus from your heart, not from your mind, because you're feeling that. You're feeling that, that incredible spirit within you welling up and saying, this is my response to that question. There's, I mentioned this yesterday because we had a, an enlace. We had Encuentro Juvenil's Youth Encounters come in and give announcement to promote their next youth retreat for young people. Youth retreat for young people. That was very yeah. redundant. <laughs> okay. Um, it's early. So they, they do something at the end of their retreats. I don't know if they still do it, but they did it when, when I was active in, in the youth movement, when I was, before I, you know, while I was in seminary and before I entered seminary, and then even when I was pitch director of the movement helping them out, they would ask someone when they were giving witness before the, the final mass, who is Christ in your life? And they would get up and say, and then obviously would say, you know, my parents, my loved one, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, you know. And, and it would be, they were very emotional talks. And you could tell they were from the heart. You never heard a theological witness no. to when they were asked that question. So I said that yesterday. I go, if I went, right when I finished with children, I looked up to the adults the last minute of my homily. And I said, if I went around the room, if I went around the, the church and asked each and every one of you this question, how would you respond? What would be your answer? And I, and I would, you know, be different answers because the Spirit is moving each of us in a different way. And so we want that Jesus to send His Spirit upon us to be able to respond to that question, to be able to respond to Him in the way that we are, that we are moved, that we are that we are called to, to grow in, in, in Christ's love, that we are called to, to grow in the Spirit and to say and to and to have the same faith that Peter had when he was asked that question. You know, I'm gonna throw a curveball at you. As I hold a baseball in my That's hand. right. Um because part of part of this relationship with Jesus, probably the most important part of a relationship is prayer. And you you wrote it in your uh, column this week, and we got we have a question. We actually got a podcast question. Oh wow! And it's it's really the same question you started your column with: is how do we pray? Mm -hmm. You know, and you know, it the easy answer to how do we pray? You know, it's here's an Our Father, here's a here's a Hail Mary. You know, here's the the simple prayers that you memorize and you just say it. But that again, that that's kind of a head a head prayer. You know, so how and and I'm just going to throw this out here. You know, Father, how would you advise someone to? dive into a life of prayer well and, and the reason i put that because i was asked that question on more than one occasion uh, before i started writing that column and that, that previous week you know so i was i guess two weeks ago from when we were recording this podcast on several occasions i was father how do i pray in one instance it was the mother who, of, of a daughter of, of a child child she was 24 years old but still a child uh who 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 tragically died in in, in uh in a motorbike accident and so the mother is like saying, Father, what prayers do I say? Because what the mother was most interested in, which reminds me a lot of Angie when, when, when the twins were born, what the mother was most interested in was, was her daughter getting into heaven. Okay? And, oh, curse those, those leaf blowers outside our, our studio right now. I don't like think the microphones are, are picking are them up, but I could hear them. them. <laughs> My goodness. I, if anyone out there can invent a noiseless leaf blower, you will become a multi-billionaire. Yeah. And I will buy the first hundred that you that you invent, okay? Because every morning in my office or in my in my in my you know when Jesus tells us go into our private room to pray, I hear in our neighborhood leaf blowers. Oh my goodness! What were we talking about? Prayer. As we're, I mean, that's as, one. As we're about tangent. to go into, 
<laughs> we can cut that out. I don't care. <laughs> like just like wow, man. Do not. No, go, I'm not cutting send, that out. That's, send that's a the, memo to to the maintenance. Please that's don't. That's the real stuff we deal please with. Please don't <laughs> blow the leaves out of the the faculty parking lot on a Monday morning outside our studio. I go. It's not that soundproof. Anyhow, how do we pray? how do we pray? So I was asked that several times, and so it inspired. And, and Henry said, oh, "Father was lazy this week. No, Father spent a good hour, hour and a half, you know, meditating, looking for you know prayers, prayers to you know." To print in the bulletin, the five prayers that I ended up printing in the bulletin, which memory show, I don't have the bulletin in front of me, but it was a memorari. Uh, I, I, there were so many oh, prayers to St. Joseph. Yep. But at the end of uh, his pastoral le- uh, his, uh, the letter that he wrote for the year of St. Joseph, he, he, he wrote this beautiful prayer to St. Joseph uh, uh, that was you know, wonderful. And I put that in there. I put uh, the prayer of St. Therese. I obviously put prayer of St. Michael, a prayer to St. Therese, and a prayer... One of my favorite prayers, because not because selfish people are praying for me, but I also yeah. use the prayer myself to pray for other priests. But it's mm-hmm. a prayer to Saint Therese for priests, for priests yeah. uh, which is it's it's on the little it's a little on a little holy card that that a uh, prayer card that I have on my desk that when people come to see me they they take with you. I put them in thank you notes and things when I send them out. But people were coming up to me and asking me this question: How do you pray? And you have to you know approach prayer. As a conversation, I spoke about prayer at this funeral mass of, the, of this little girl that I did on, on on Saturday. I spoke about prayer because I said so many people uh, are probably mad at God, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Probably angry with God and and are, are shaking your fist at the heaven and saying why, and and I go that's okay. And people may think oh that's a sin, it's disrespectful to God, but it's you know, it took me a while into the priesthood and the spiritual life to realize that that's not, because I would confess it. You know, I got angry with God. I I got angry in prayer. I was yelling at God. I was asking, and and what I was confessing specifically in my spiritual naivete early on in my priesthood and while I was in seminary was I questioned God's will. I asked him the question, why? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until later, and it was probably a spiritual director who confessed, you know, why are you confessing that? You know, or I came to that realization. You know, that even in anger, when you're, when you're screaming at God for, you know, for losing a child, for losing something, for, for life being out of whack, and you're screaming at God and asking the question, why? That is genuine, raw prayer. Jesus on the cross said, my God, my God, why... Have you forsaken me? Now, in context, it's Psalm 22. He's quoting a psalm. It's not Jesus, you know, I don't want to sugarcoat it because later on it's more that the psalmist comes to a place of trust. But Jesus was screaming out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So even Jesus asked the question, why? Took me long enough to realize, well, that's not, you know, my scrupulousness, it's not a sin. <laughs> so I was telling these young people, because when you have a young person that passes away, you know, your church is filled with young people that are, you know, unfortunately Searching. Catholic school kids that, that have lapsed and have, Lord knows the last time they walked into a church and I'm not casting, you know, judgment on any of them. God bless them that they were there and they came up to communion and they crossed their arms realizing that they were not worthy for communion and, I, and God bless them for their authenticity and realizing that they were not worthy of the sacrament. None of us are. But Jesus is the one that makes us worthy. But I, I, but I say that. Prayer has to be a conversation. You know, you saw this scene, and, and, and people have commented about this scene that, that, that came out on a television show about 22, 23 years ago. Uh, in the, at the end of the second season of The West Wing, mm-hmm. when President Bartlett uh, has to bury his, his, uh, one of his staffers. If you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil who that staffer is. And um, but it was very close to him, and he had just had one bad thing happen to him after this, some of his own doing. And he, they, I, I don't know how they shot this scene. They shot it in the National Cathedral. The National Cathedral is a work of Gothic beauty. Next time you're watching to see if you haven't yep. seen it, uh, go see it. Uh, it is something that I'm thinking of, you know, bolting from the tour when we do March for Life and once <laughs> to do it. I've done it already, but I, I need to go back again. And it's an Anglican church, 
uh, I mean, an Episcopalian, you know, and it whole and it really the National Cathedral is where the nation gathers, you know, for its prayer services. It's where you know our recent, most recent presidents have have we've had their funeral services for, and and and, and obviously Senator John McCain and 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 big luminaries in in, in, in national in national discourse. But that scene was 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 filmed inside the National Cathedral, and. Well, I, I could I, I could do without the first lines of his prayer. The entire prayer is him walking up towards the sanctuary and looking up to God and saying, "What have I done to you? Why are you doing this to me? Have I, you know, why you know why are you doing it when I all I've done my entire life and 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 this fictional president is Catholic is praise and worship your son, and and I remember watching that who who if Two, we were in seminary. We remember watching that with two seminarians, and one's the vice rector of the seminary, the other one's the vicar general of the Diocese of St. Augustine. Now, I'm just a lowly pastor of Carl Gables, but you know, <laughs> I'm the happiest of the three right now, to tell you the truth. Um, but we were watching that, and we were like, wow, that's that's powerful that, stuff. Even, that's real. I mean, we were, we were, you know, pissy, you know, seminarians would think they knew everything, but we even we recognized back then, I go, this is, this is powerful stuff that, that, that was portrayed on screen, and some you know some people took umbrage over that is dis- disrespectful. But I remember that there was a moment you said ask in prayer, and you know there was one evening early on in my priesthood that I remember my my pastor had uh, had had to leave town for something. I don't know if it was a death of some of, of a love of a family member or he was on vacation. I don't remember what, but I was alone in the parish, and I was in my maybe second year of priesthood. And everything was falling on me. And I, and I look back at the, the events that fell on me yep. during that week, and I'm like, oh, that's that's a morning for me here in Little Flower. And I was like, brush it off. But back then, young priest, you know, I would, would drown in a half a glass of water. And I remember that I get home and I realize, oh, I forgot to lock up the church. So I it's 10 o'clock at night. I lock up the church, and the church is dark. And I just start yelling at God. Go, dude, I gave myself to you in the priesthood. I'm serving you as best you can. People are annoying me left and right. It's all your fault, people. It's all your fault. It's always your fault in the eyes of the priest. I'm kidding. Um, but But for me... And I think about that church because that church doesn't exist anymore. It's St. Agnes, and they just raised it last year. And they're building a new one. And I'm thinking about me in that tiny church, just looking up at the sanctuary and just yelling at him. And I'm like, you know, I was dealing with, I remember I was dealing with the health issue at the time also, and I'm like, why are you throwing all this at me at the same time? Cut me a break. Give me, you know. But for me, it was probably one of the most authentic mm. moments of prayer. Now, having said that, please, the church is open from 6 a.m. to 6 a.m. <laughs> to 6 p.m. Don't walk into my church and just start screaming at him. I mean, I was alone. It was 10 o'clock at night. I was locking up the church. It was dark. And it just, I mean, yeah, it was like channeling President Bartlett, maybe a little bit. But to me, I guess it's one of the most authentic moments. And the most authentic moments of prayer or when I'm kneeling before the tabernacle or sitting in my chapel, and and I actually I did this, uh, I had to lock up the church on not this past Friday, the previous Friday, and it was, and it was God preparing me because it was literally hours before I got the call that this young lady had passed away, and I was in there and I was I wasn't I was just sitting there, in the quiet and darkness of our beautiful church, and just looking up at our at our reredas and and just having a moment, because it was it was a tough week and. And it was about to get tougher. And I'm like having a moment and, and talking to him and saying literally out loud, Jesus, I've had a tough week. Yep. And, and I'm going to have it, you know, didn't know what was about to happen. But hopefully next week is better. It wasn't, you know. And this is Jesus going, <laughs> wait, until I, <laughs> wait until you get that phone call two hours. Not that Jesus was laughing at it, but I'm just saying, you know, we all have plans. Uh, literally uh, an hour ago, I, I run into Lewis in the hallway, our organist, and I'm like, I'm saying, let it be a quiet week. Let it be a quiet week. Let it be a quiet week. I'm, mm. going, I'm trying to will it into existence. 
but God has plans for each of you. So to answer a very long-winded answer to your question, conversation. Don't try to overcomplicate it. Conversation, but conversation has to be less than silence. Silence is important. Just sitting there. And your mind, yeah, your mind starts to wander. And that's why sometimes those prayers, written prayers, the Psalms, anything, are important because they lead us and, they, and our mind doesn't wander. But even sometimes, because sometimes I, it happened to me the other day, I was praying the Liturgy of the Hours and I'm praying Vespers and I'm done with Vespers and I realize, wait, I just prayed morning prayer again. Oh. This was last Friday. I go, this is me realizing that I'm reading words and was thinking about a million other different things. You know what, Manny? As your penance, as your, you know, since I'm, you know, a confessor and, and, and I give penances, go back and do, oh. ve do <laughs> Vespers and actually pray it this time. So conversation. So just talk to God. Just talk to him as, you, as I'm talking to Ori right now, as I'm talking to you. Bring to him your concerns. Bring to him your problems. Bring to him the way that, 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 that Pope Benedict invited the young people. Say to him, Jesus, I know that you're the Son of God. I want you to be the power and strength in me and the joy which never leaves me. That's how you pray. From your heart, converse with God. You know, someone once asked me, uh, man, you know, do you pray? Because I never see you, like, sit down make the sign of the cross, you know, take a moment and actually pray. And I said, you know, I, I just kind of chuckled and, you know, I said, yes, I'm, I'm always praying. You know, and it comes back to this idea of conversation, you know, so, and, and sometimes we get stuck in this idea that we have to be inside of a chapel or we have to be inside of a church in order to enter into prayer, you know, that it, that it has to start and end with the sign of the cross and we have to be kneeling down at you know, that's a good place to start. But as I go through my day, you know, it's as I walk down the street to go open up in Comber Hall, you know, and I pass in front of the church, you know, even just good morning, Lord. You know, that itself is a prayer. You know, good evening, Lord. Hey, how's it going? I'm having a, I'm having a terrible day or I'm having a really good day. Look how beautiful the sky is today. Thank you for that. You know, and just that simple little thing, you know, just entering into that relationship mm -hmm. you know that relationship and then the other part of that is sometimes we just need to shut up you know because because sometimes we think we have to go in and, and sit in a chapel and speak or or meant maybe not verbally speak but but just let it all out and then we never give ourselves time to to sit back and listen back you know and, and allow the lord to to move our heart you know so so we go in and we unload everything and then we get up and say okay I'm done. You know, that's my prayer. I just I just spent 15 minutes going, this is wrong, and this is the problem, and blah, 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 and this is what I'm angry with, and why is this happening, and this is, you know, and then we, sign of the cross, get up, and we leave. You know, so to your point, there has to be this silence, you know, a moment of silence, a moment to, yes, go and unload everything at the, at the foot of the altar. There's no better place to unload, you know, Put your burdens there. Give it, give it to the Lord, but allow the Lord to speak back to you, because that's relationship. You know, any healthy relationship. You know, if 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 all I did with you, Father, was was come and, and complain about everything that's wrong. Wait, wasn't did you do that all last week? <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, if all I do is complain and complain and complain and complain and complain, you know, and say this is what's wrong, and and every once in a while you get this right, but this is what's wrong, and this was wrong, and this was, and I never sit back and allow you to speak back to me and say, yes, you might be right on this. Here's a little perspective on this other thing. You know, if we never have this back and forth, then I'm never going to grow. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm never going to see things a different way. I'm going to be stuck in my own will you know, and in the way that I want things to be. You know, and, and we have to approach prayer that same way, where, yes, we can, we can want things, we can desire things, but ultimately we have to put it at the feet of the Lord. And say, "You're Lord. You're the Lord. I'm not." And oh, that's so important. You know, and that's why that's why I wanted to bring in this this idea of you know how do we pray? How do we how do we start praying if we're not already praying? How do we deepen our prayer life if if we are already regularly praying? Because it's it's in prayer that we're going to foster this relationship where we can ask ourselves that question that the Lord asks us: Who do you say that I am? 
and our answer can be one of authentic relationship, you know, and not just here's the highly theological really means nothing to me, but I sound smart and and maybe the Lord will give me props for you know having the right vocabulary, you know, which is the worst place to be because it's not real because what the Lord wants of us is real. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I guess that's what drew him to Peter because how, how can you get more real than Peter? But even pre Peter's response to the question is in itself a prayer for sure. You know, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And in fact, the heading over this section in the section in the, in the New York American Bible says Peter's confession about Jesus. Blessed are you, Lord God, which is very, very Jewish. Mm-hmm. If you watch in The Chosen, I have very controversial takes on The Chosen, which I will share with you another day. I'm not meant for you right now. But if you watch The Chosen, you see every time they gather for prayer, uh, they are saying these Jewish prayers, blessed are you, Lord, for the gifts we're about to... The, the prayer we say, you know, during the offertory, you know, that the priest mm-hmm. offers up the bread and the wine that have been given. You know, this, this, this is something that's so real. For, so for the disciples... Prayer had to be, because of their Jewishness, had to be a daily, you know, a daily thing, and 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 mark different moments of the day, you know, when they gathered, when they woke up in the morning, when they went to bed at night, when they gathered for for meals, and obviously with Jesus, and they they asked Jesus, teach us to pray, he gives them the Our Father. Now, as a response to this question, who do you say that I am? Jesus' response is, you know, Peter's response, excuse me, is obviously. A confession, but it's also a prayer. It's like, wow, you know, I've experienced so far you walking on water, saving me, curing the Canaanite woman in last week's gospel, and then he, you know, feeding the five thousand. You know, you've done so. I'm, I'm flipping back through the through through the gospel of Matthew and then going from you know the back to the front. You know, seeing you do, you know, Jesus, for the most part, is, you know, at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, is it's pretty much parables instead of miracles. But Peter's heard all these parables. Peter's heard the Sermon on the Mount. Peter's seen him. You know, there's there's some healings here and there. He heals in, in the 10th chapter, you know, the, 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 the official's daughter, the woman with the hemorrhages, you know, as, as he was going to cure the official's daughter, the healing of the two blind men, the healing of the mute person. You know, all these things that Peter has seen. And that's just what's written. And that's just Mind you, they spent day and night together. Through like, three <laughs> years, John, at the end of this gospel, said many, you know, now volumes of work can, can fill all the things that I've witnessed. And so Peter, having digested all that, having meditated upon that, and his realness, you're the, you're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. You're the one that we're hoping for. One of the things, I, the problems I don't have with Chosen, and it's actually very well done, is is the longing that Jewish people have for the Messiah. And that, that Jesus comes to fulfill that desire. Some recognize him, some don't. And that's what Matthew is trying to accomplish in his, in his gospel. In that we've been waiting our entire, you know, our entire lives, our parents waited their entire lives and died. Our grandparents, generations have waited for the Messiah. We've been promised a Savior. And here he is. And now, but it's not a savior who's going to be in an ivory tower taking care of things and making sure that we all live with our feet up and relaxing. No, it's a savior who invites us into a relationship with him. It's a savior who asks us the question, who do you say that I am? It's a savior who requires a response from us, who wants us to enter into a relation with him. And there's another point to Pope Benedict's homily that I thought was very profound. When you go in search of this Jesus, you mentioned it beautifully. Maybe Jesus right now is a stranger to you. And you have to go and search for him. Pope Francis says, excuse me, Pope Benedict said back in 2011, you can't do this alone. He said, quote, we cannot follow Jesus on our own. Anyone who would be tempted to do so on his own or to approach a life of faith with that kind of individualism so prevalent today, will risk never truly encountering Jesus or will end up fo- following a counterfeit 
Jesus. Oh, that's another podcast episode. <laughs> um, can end up following a counterfeit Jesus. Why do we have to do this in community? We gather to worship in community. This is following into the trap is into the trap of that fallacy of saying I'm a spiritual purpose person, but not a religious person. Uh, I totally just debunked and deconstructed and tore that statement apart. And homily I gave actually not too long after yep. that World Youth Day. Totally destroyed it. Because we have to do this in community. It's kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous. That you can't do it on your own. You need others to help you recover, to live your best life. Same thing with Christianity. There can't be individualism in Christianity. There's a reason why Jesus chose 12. There's a reason why Jesus, there's a reason why Jesus didn't do this alone. He required the assistance of 12 very flawed men, one who would ultimately betray him. And so we have to do this together. Sure, prayer, we have to do, you know, we have to have our individual prayer life. But we need to gather others and say, you know what, you, you do this all the time with some of the dads in, in, your, in, your, in your daughter's class. You know, saying, you know, you did the, the consecration of St. Joseph together and you did all these things together. And you need to continue doing these things together because iron tripens iron, especially with men. And we're starting that up in, in our parish. Uh, what's the, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the. That man is you. Yep. That's coming up soon. For the, the, for the dads. For the, dad the dads. Group. You know, so look into that. The amazement. That's why they're, they're so tight and why they're so on fire is because they're. Constantly, each other, constantly, constantly, constantly in each other's face. Hey, I didn't see you at mass. Mm. Hey, I didn't see you at prayer group. I didn't see you at the Emmaus meeting. You know, the A people always. Hey, I didn't see you at the at the meeting this week. We have to do this together because if not, that, that, let me repeat that that last phrase. If we if, if not we if we try to approach the life of faith with that kind of individualism so prevalent today, we will risk never truly encountering Jesus, or we'll end up following a counterfeit. Jesus, and that's something that is so dangerous because we have so many, I'll say it, churches out there that are preaching their version of Jesus, and that's why in the Catholic Church, you know, we've been preaching the same Christ for 2,000 years, and we don't preach a Christ that is outside of our magisterium, I have, you know, while I do inject, you know, personal anecdotes, it's, this is not my opinion of who Christ is. This is what church doctrine and church, excuse me, church dogma mm -hmm. says who Christ is. But we have to do this in contour with the church and read the catechism, open up the catechism and, and, and see who this Jesus is. And that'll lead you to a deeper prayer life. Today we celebrate the feast of St. Augustine who, who didn't convert until he was 33 years old thanks to the prayers of his mother, St. Monica. And, you know, when he... I was meditating upon this this morning, that that wonderful quote of his, late have I loved thee, ancient beauty, you know, ever... I'm sorry, divide me ever... I'm, ever ancient. Ever ancient. Ever, ever ancient, ever new. Ever new. <laughs> Mangle the quote. Late have I loved thee. And it really, he wasn't... He was still only 33 years old, younger than the two of us. And at least he arrived at the party, didn't wait until the very end of his life, and then became one of the great doctors of the church. Why? You know, read Augustine's Confession. I was, I was telling the people this morning at Mass, read Augustine's Confessions. Read the Catechism. The more you know Christ, the more you discover Christ in Catechesis, the deeper your relationship with Him will be. So, to answer your question, how, how do we pray? Deepen your relationship with Christ, but don't do it alone. Do it with others. Do it in community. So, my friends, that question so important. Who do you say that I am? Answer it. Doesn't matter where you are in the spiritual life. This today, as you're listening to this podcast, whenever you listen to it, it could be the morning, it could be evening, it could be the day we record it, it could be months or years after we recorded it. That question is still valid because it's a question that Jesus still asks us today that requires a response from us. 
And that response has to be a response that leads us to witness, that leads us to sharing that Jesus with others. Answer in your heart, not in your mind. Answer in your heart, who do you say that I am? Oh, yes, baby. College football is back. Father Andrew is in the house to talk college football. Miami starts on Friday. Uh, That quote-unquote Catholic school up north played this weekend, but we don't care about that. We care about the University of Miami. We'll talk about this this morning. That's a glorious team. It's from the SEC, but it's the best college football team. Well, it's from CBS, and it's about to be the Big Ten thing. Yeah. So there you have it, folks. Uh, Father Andrew's in the house. We're going to talk college football, uh, talk other things as well. We're not going to talk about the Yankees. Anyhow, Father, how are you doing? Doing great. Doing That's great. right. So you excited for Friday? What are you expecting Friday? Because here's the thing is that, and Jorge talked about that this week. We talked about it in the office this morning. You know, the hype machine is quieted down. But every year we, we, we lather ourselves in a frenzy. You know, this will be the year. This But... We've been burned too much. You made an analogy and you can't use it on the air. But what are you expecting on Friday when no, Miami takes on Miami of Ohio? Year. This isn't the year. What I'm expecting is a better offensive line and an offensive system that actually uses the talent of the players that we have. And so I think there's going to be an improved offense this year. Um, who knows about the defense? I haven't seen a good Miami defense in a long time. <laughs> I mean, like a dominant so, Miami defense. Right. That 2017 defense wasn't bad, but they ended up dying the, at the but end. But at the end, they, they, they ran out of gas after the, but, uh, the Notre Dame game. It was like their national championship game that year. Yeah. Now, the offense will be significantly better this year. I don't know. I mean, if you're getting Tyler Van Dyke from two years ago or close That's to what it, I, That was my next thing. question. What are we going to get from TVD? Well, if he's actually got protection and he's got a system that he's more comfortable with, it's going to be better. And we don't but who kn- knows when you face the likes of Clemson down here or... You go up to Tallahassee. And that's the thing. We have Clemson, by the way. We have a retreat that weekend. <laughs> oh, it's retreat that weekend. But it, w- Father Andrew and I, we, we, we basically surrendered to the fact. I mean, we know we're priests, but we're surrendered to the fact that that Saturdays there's always baptisms, weddings, and retreats, and that we, we can't go to Texas A&M. We can't go to Clemson. Uh, I mean, last year we couldn't go to Florida State. So it's like we resigned to that. The but Canes didn't go to Florida State. Yeah, no, no, I'm saying last year they came. I'm saying the Canes didn't came show to, up either. No, the, yeah, the Canes didn't show up either. Uh, that game was over within the first three minutes. So, but you're right about the dominant defense, and also we don't know what offensive system is going is going to be presented because you know Rhett Lashley did a great job uh, with TVD two years ago, and now he's off in in, in Texas and. Uh, not in Texas. I mean, in the state of Texas. In you, SMU. Mean, you mean back in the ACC in a week? Well, that's that's. An, we'll talk about realignment because while you were celebrating a funeral this morning, uh, they said that in the next few days it looks like everything's lining up for SMU, Cal, and Stanford, who are very much on the Atlantic Ocean, so to speak, um, <laughs> will be joining the conference. So. SMU was a powerhouse football team in the early 80s, and then they got the death penalty, which was the last time the death penalty was given by the NCAA, where they had to, you know, strip, basically shut down their football program. But that was that's a, a great documentary on uh, 30 for 30 on uh, on ESPN Plus. But what your thoughts on conference realignment? We talked briefly about it last week. Your thoughts on everything? Because you have very strong opinions about this. Oh, but I mean, you're talking to a purist, so I think this is the saddest. This is going to be a melancholic season, regardless of what the Canes do, because the college football I grew up with is has is officially imploded, and now what is going to come is whatever the TV execs decide. So, but that's who who's been calling the shots. Yeah, but the last decade, the last couple of decades, anyways. My worry is that the SEC is going to have too much power because he, uh, Greg Sankey's talked about this. Is like right now for the next. This is the last year of the fourteen playoff. Next year goes to, next. Actually, the next two years. It's 12-team playoffs. Next year, it's supposed to be five. the five Power Five conferences. One of the Power Five conferences has only four teams, may have only two teams by the end of the week. They get automatic bids, and SEC saying, well, maybe we have to rethink that. And I have no problem with them going with the best 12 teams. That, that's not a bad 
thing because what if you get a wounded Big 12 or wounded ACC champion? Like there's been years that a Georgia Tech has won the conference. The last game in, before they really redid Hard Rock Stadium was a, was was a Orange Bowl game was Georgia Tech was the ACC champion. That team doesn't belong. That team didn't belong in any form of a playoff. It was just a very weak ACC year. There's been too many of those. That's oh, a problem. that's so. I, I have no problem with them going with the best twelve, and they may say, "Well, that." My worry is that the SEC will be calling shots, and really, haven't they been calling the shots all along? But enough about the conference realignment. Let's let's talk about actual football because. UM, uh, we have a great game on to kick off the really the year. Florida is traveling east, west. sorry, west of the Mississippi because they always play east of the Mississippi. Going to Utah, playing a very tough Utah team, defending Pac-12 champs. Uh, you don't like Florida this year at all, no. Okay, they have so, a, they've got a tough slate. They don't know what they have at quarterback. That's a huge scare. Well, they use Anthony Richardson, who's a starter for the and Colts. And I mean, even now. even my. Like my brother, who's the biggest Gator fan I know, you know, he's realistic that like Napier's building something. It's just gonna take its time, and the, you run it through. They run through an SEC schedule, but much tougher than Georgia's. You're right, and it's just. I mean, hey, they may. They've got talent. I mean, they've got those running backs that are as good as anyone in the country, but um, they can also. You know, they hit a couple tough ones, and then it kind of snowballs on them because they play. And and it's not out of the realm of possibility that they win on Thursday. I mean, Utah. Yes, they won last year. Last, you know, they won. They they won in Gainesville. uh, Draft quarterback, and they they did. And 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 here's the the thing: behind them, they don't have that this year. Utah, defending Pac-12 champs the last two years, won the last traditional Rose Bowl Pac-12 versus Big uh, Big Ten or Big Eighteen. You know, whatever their quarterback. Uh, that that but that's a question for so many teams. You know, w- the quarterbacks. Uh, we were talking off air about the Pac-12. You know, we, we saw U- UC- USC. Yeah, they ran away with that game against San Jose at the end. But what was the score at halftime? It was twenty-one fourteen. They were up. But that they have a quarterback. They have, but twenty-eight points. But everybody State. has quarterbacks in the SEC. By the way, the Utah's favorite. Utah's is um yeah Pac-12. Utah's favorite six and a half points at home. Uh, so. A lot of good games. Miami kicks it off on Friday against Miami of Ohio. Saturday, it's like, eh. And then Sunday, LSU and FSU. That's number five versus number eight. Uh, I think LSU destroys FSU because a lot of FSU fans are, you know, walking around with their chest puffed out thinking, this is our year. You don't. You think it's a much closer game. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at how it was last year. No, I think that was a, that was a good game a last year. Talent. You've got best edge rusher in the country. You've got a very good quarterback. I mean, there's there's a lot there. And I don't know. I mean, some FSU fans I've seen have had been high. I think ESPN is doing more of the hyping. Because I think a number of FSU fans, they're a little bit like us Miami fans, and that we're now seeing through the hype. I mean, they live the Willie Taggart years. Okay? <laughs> and and yeah, we'll see. We'll, you know. They, they, we will know who FSU is by the end of a September because they have. They have, an, got, who do they have? They have Clemson in they September. They have Clemson on the twenty third of September. Wow! So right out of the gate, they and could so be. Right they could the have gate. two lo- losses at the end of September or two very marquee wins that yeah. should catapult them into the top five. I mean, uh, for real, easily. Um, you go around. You know, you see the conferences. Obviously, Florida State and Clemson are above the rest of the class, and and you know, there's not. Any other school and they see that it comes close to it. Hopefully Miami does rise to the occasion. We'll see what Mario does in his second year. You go going around the conference really quickly. It's Michigan and, and Ohio State in the Big Ten. And is there anybody nah, else? Ha, ha, ha. Penn State, man. I was going to say Penn They're State. I said it last been. year. I would but do Penn, but does Penn win the conference. But Penn State, I have, I forget it. I don't think they do the divisions anymore. I think it's the top two or do they still have the I forget now. I forget. But – they all changed this year. ACC got rid of divisions. No, we. I know we got rid. So SEC no, still still has them, but no. no yeah, SEC but still next has. Year but it's going to blow up. So. I miss the coastal. We don't play Virginia Tech this year for the first time since 1991. Amazing. So and that's always. I just played Virginia Tech for my entire life. Exactly. That was the year I was born. Amazing. I, I don't know why they decided that Louisville was our natural rival and not. And now they Virginia put a Tech. pair of boots and call it a Schellenberger Trophy. That's supposed to make a rivalry. Oh, that's that's not a rivalry. I mean, we played some in the 80s and 90s and. You know, but but it's not like you know, big deal. Uh, Big Twelve. Do you believe the Texas hype? 
Oh, please. I yeah. Mean, it's the same thing as believing Miami hype. I think that Texas and Oklahoma will have Show targets. Me, I don't believe it. They always have targets in their back because they're Texas and Oklahoma, but this year more so the Big 12 wants to really stick it to them. I mean, the, the, the commissioner of the Big 12 was in Lubbock, Texas the other day and told the coach, yeah, well, I'll be there when you play Texas. You better take care of business. They, I mean, but who knows? Maybe this guy's going to have to hand Texas or Oklahoma the, to- the trophy of the Pac-12 and, and Jerry World in December. So More likely Oklahoma, but that team was a disaster last year. We go around the the the, the Power Five. Uh, we off air. We talked about it. Pac twelve is can USC score? You know, score more points than their defense allows. That's the big question. But we talked off air about the 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 wealth of quarterbacks in the big in the in the Pac twelve. I keep saying Big twelve in the Pac twelve or the Pac four. And I I was saying, wouldn't it be ironic? Wouldn't it be beautiful? Poetic justice if Oregon State that has DJ Uliangale. From Clemson, transferred from Clemson, lead, the, you know, the last band, you know, the last, you know, one of the last schools held out, you know, justice for them winning the Pac-12. I don't know who wins that conference. I mean, that's uh, that's a tough conference. Let's transition quickly. That's, you know, college football, really, it, it doesn't get going. Hori last week said, said it right. Preseason rankings mean nothing. Because Miami could, if Miami wins out in uh, in September, they'll be ranked. You know they have they have A and M and ranked win against A and M. Yeah, I mean they'll be ranked because because it's a team. They didn't have a single vote on the other in, in the others. You I know. mean, so Miami. Then you have a Bethune Cookman, which is a normal one once a year, and then you have the Al Golden Manny Diaz Bowl up in Philadelphia. <laughs> They're going yeah. to Temple. I mean, I haven't. I don't think Miami's gone to Temple since Big East. Big East, and they almost lost once. And I mean, I remember like. Uh, I think the last time we played Temple up there in Philly, uh, that was a tough game. I mean, but anyways, we, we won it. Uh, so transition quickly. Uh, Ash and I will do a preview next week for for the NFL season. Uh, what do you think of your Giants in the in the preseason, and and how how do you how do you see them looking? And and the NL and the revamped NFC East with Trey Lance being traded from the Niners to your to the Cowboys, your I hated think, rival. I think the Giants could be a better team this year and do worse. Really, because of the competition, the NFC NFC is no, much weaker I mean, than the won, FC. They won a playoff game last year. I mean, they're going to be. I mean, look, Jones. I think he's pretty good. They have to get some help around him, and they did. Waller at tight end is going to be a that's a, a big, big addition this year. Yeah. They gra- drafted Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee, who's a top notch, over the top kind of receiver. So we'll see what that ends up being. But um, the defense needs to hold up. Obviously, we've got Saquon on a on a franchise tag year, but I think Saquon realistically is not far off from decline. Yeah, that's, that's Bell, running back. like every running back. So. I think the Giants are—they're not going to be a bad. And and Dable and Shane know what they're doing, so they're well coached. I think they're going to be better than they were last year, but it's tough to win in the NFL, get in the playoffs. Two consecutive years, and 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 you and you weren't expecting that I mean, run, and even winning a playoff came to boot on say, the road in not Minnesota. To, not to pick on a sore spot, but two thousand. Got a playoff win last year. You look at that team. 23 and years. You look at the Dolphins last year. 23 and you're like, years. That team is an AFC championship kind of team, mm-hmm. which they are. Uh, the Dolphins are still a better team than the Giants this year. But the Giants are the one that won the playoff game and the Dolphins didn't. Like, that's the NFL's hard. AFC is so much harder. You look at, you look at you know, both conferences. And, and again, we'll get into that more next week. But so much harder the AFC to win that conference because. The NFC the Eagles are good though. The Eagles and, and good, Niners are as good. good as they really are, and those defenses are, are great. Yeah. Uh, quickly into baseball, we don't want to talk about uh, the team in the Bronx, but I, I I was watching SportsCenter last night. I'm fascinated. I'm just it, it's caught my attention. Do you know what the standings of the AFC AFC sorry the AL the AL West are this morning? The Mariners are in first place. Good, they've been the best team for a while. With the Rangers and Houston Astros a week, I mean, a game by, I don't know, I'm confusing my words this morning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, came back. That's going to be a fascinating pennant chase yeah, well, uh, coming down the stretch. Anybody but Houston. That's all. That's my take on <laughs> but, it. But, I mean, all, all three teams are going to get into the, in, into the postseason. Uh, I want to go on record. Father Andrew and I, I mentioned that at the top of the, of the podcast in the first segment, we had a great 
a great time at the ballpark last night with the, uh, at, yesterday afternoon with the parishioners, and uh, the the Marlins did win. You know, Two the, hours and 14 minutes. Even though we, we looked up, wait, the game's about to end. We looked up and it was a man on and an out. And it's going to end on a double play, which it did. Uh, but with Robertson Stern blowed and saved, we complained about him last week. I texted Jorge. Jorge couldn't be here the second time he had to, he had to step out. But I said, this team is not making the postseason. Do you, you saw the team. You've seen the team twice down the last two weeks. Do you see a, a postseason team? Here, playing well, in Lone I mean, Depot. They were one game over 500. I, no, and they were 14 games over when the All-Star it went at yeah. some point in early July. It fell off a cliff. And they got help, you know, on August 1st. But you're also in... You know, it's a tough division, yeah. Not, uh, the teams ahead of you are like the Reds. Reds are playing good baseball. Uh, Cubs are playing good baseball. Giants took one from Atlanta last night. Well, you're, I mean, and Atlanta... But here's the thing. Atlanta's no one's running away with everything. Not, no one's touching Atlanta. I mean... It's the AL. I think is gonna be fascinating, especially the AL West. It'll be fascinating. Because even the AL East teams have kind of the Rays have fallen off. The Baltimore is playing there. inspired baseball. Baltimore is a good team. Balt- Baltimore is playing inspired baseball. I'd be okay with a Baltimore Atlanta World Series. That'd be an interesting. Series. That would be a fun World Series. Baltimore hasn't been in the World Series since 1983. I want to say 83 when they won it. Uh, they were in ALCS in when <laughs> the Jeffrey Meyer uh, catch and. Uh, and in 96 and 97, they were in the LCS, lost to the Yankees in 96 and to the in- Cleveland Indians, now the Guardians, in 97. Uh, but baseball, fascinating uh, pennant races that are that are coming down the stretch as we go into September. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we didn't cover in the world of, of sports, and there is. Messy. Messy. I mean, it's all about, I mean, the Dolphins are playing preseason game. I couldn't believe that I switched from a Dolphin, even though it's preseason, switched from a Dolphin game to a soccer match. He still hasn't lost yet. It's amazing what he's doing, but he has to go. The he's going to be called up to play for the national team of Argentina. Well, Martino already said, and today he said that he's going to rest at least three games this year, and, and that's why they invited me to that September 9th game because Messi's not going to be there. <laughs> and I realized I couldn't go anyways. We had a confession that night uh, for Emmaus. but no, that the the passes that he made on that last goal were just stupendous. He's playing chess. Everyone else is playing checkers. It's it, we we've said it so many times, man against boys. Uh, it, it's just and 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 in New York he had to come in. People were paying a thousand dollars for a ticket, in uh, to see the. And New- then he wins the game. He no, they didn't need him. Oh no, it was two nothing. Right? It was it was one nothing when he checked in and okay. and they won two nil and and uh, they need the three points because they really almost have to run the table and they have to play at least three games, maybe two or three games without him. But I think that. The way that they're playing now, and again, I, I keep saying this, the two priests at this table know absolutely nothing about soccer other than you have to get the ball into the net. Offside, just like Ted Lasso, we're like, we kind of understand him, but we really don't. Oh, come on. It's not that hard. Uh, it depends on the league. I knew offside in soccer years before I understood offsides in hockey. <laughs> no, there's an actual line in hockey. In soccer, there's not. But anyways, but, I played soccer as a kid. But what I'm saying is hockey. that I think that the new Tata Martino has the team playing well. Tactically, they're playing well. They played very aggressive. New York City, the Red Bulls aren't. I mean, New York City is a different t- different team altogether. They play in Yankee Stadium. The Red Bulls didn't look like a very good team to me. I mean, they were they were running circles around them compared to Nashville that we saw last week that played them well. By the way, they played Nashville on Wednesday rematch of that you of that. League's Cup uh, final, and you think Nashville doesn't want to beat Messi, and that's an MLS game, and a critical three points before Messi has to go uh, and play for the Argentinian national team. I thought he was retired from the national team. I'm shocked to see that he's still the thing is that qualifying. I mean, they they they're already starting qualifying for the next World Cup in in Carnival in in in, um, in in South America. So they they have a I think game against Ecuador, and I forget what the other game is, but those 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 games you have to be up for them. It's nice to not have to qualify for the cup this year. Well, yeah, and the thing is, they're expanding the field, so I they're going to. I mean, U.S. is gonna, brutal to qualify out of. It is. I mean, you you had a couple of years ago. We had Chile, who were the Colombia was Copa in the de Oro, cup. not Copa de Oro, Copa America champions, and they couldn't. They didn't qualify for the World Cup. And, and Colombia was out of the last one too. And and they had de- and have a decent team. So, uh, that's I think we covered the sports landscape. Uh, there's I mean there, there's obviously more that's going on up there. 
but we would ju- we just wanted to touch on college football next next week. We'll, we'll I'll have Ashley in and we'll preview the NFL year. Uh, football's back, my friends. The greatest time of year. Fall is here, and uh, we're looking forward to. It. Father Andrew will be in uh, Hard Rock Stadium with the cast of thousands, uh, a lot of them from our parish, you know, uh, for Miami and Miami, Miami of Florida against Miami of Ohio. It's great to have football back. And remember from the first uh, segment, take that to prayer, the question that Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? It's a question we have to answer every day in our prayer life. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.